Well, hello to everybody. For uh, Thank you for joining us from around the world. I'm Father Chris Alar, one of the Marian priests of the Immaculate Conception here at the National Shrine of Divine Mercy. We're coming to you live uh, today, this morning, being live streamed for an important talk, taking you back to seminary. You've always heard me say seminary was the best time of my life. I want to go back to seminary, and I am, and I'm taking you with me. We're going to learn today the topic is evolution evolution and creation and why it's so important as Catholics that we got to know because we always hear that evolution is contrary to the Bible does the church uh, embrace the why is the church saying evolution is okay it's contrary to the Bible we'll explain it all so please continue to stay with us let us begin with the prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you all thanks and glory. You have created us, you have redeemed us, and you are now sanctifying us. By just being here today, may the grace that you want to give seep into our hearts to transform us and lead us to everlasting life. Mother Mary, intercede for us, and St. Joseph and St. Faustina, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so you saw that this talk is evolution versus the Bible. And we don't know what to make of this. Well over 90% of Catholics, if not 95% of Catholics, do not know church teaching on evolution. And our kids are being misguided in school. We don't understand. And this is, it's not difficult. We're going to walk you through it. And, and this is, uh, I'm giving you just church teaching. And so it's an honor to have you with us. Now, without God, okay, the first question is, were Adam and Eve real people? Okay. You'll hear Catholic priests, nuns, you'll, you'll hear say, no, the Adam and Eve were not real people. They were, it was mythological figurative language yes it was figurative language but adam and eve we must believe were real and here's why without god's creation of those first two human beings there is no fall the whole story of genesis is about the fall if there is no fall there is no original sin if there is no original sin there is no need for a redeemer if there is no need for a redeemer, there is no need for Jesus Christ. And if we could turn our sound down, please. So we need Jesus Christ. We need to have a redeemer. So if we have no redeemer, there's no redemption. And hence, no sacraments, no faith, no church. We know that's not the case. God tells us clearly, scripture tells us clearly we need that. All right, so let's look at our next slide. Here's Adam and Eve. Yes, as Catholics, we have to believe that Adam and Eve existed and that God created them. Now, the literalness we're going to talk about in a minute here. Father, what do you mean Adam and Eve existed? Well, okay, we're going to get to that. Okay, we have to believe that God created them specifically and gave them a soul specifically he, that he created. This is Catholic dogma. But what about that famous, I don't believe it, what about the dinosaurs? Always hear that. Always it's about the dinosaurs. And at first I never understood, well, what's the problem with the dinosaurs? They existed. Okay, well, that proves that the world was not created in seven days. Because that would have mean Adam and Eve lived with dinosaurs. 
All right, we'll talk about that. All right, now, this is what's important. This is Catholic dogma. Now, exactly how this happened, we know that it happened. Adam and Eve were real people, they were created, but how it happened, whether it was in six days of 24 hours, light and dark, we don't know. And in fact, it doesn't make sense necessarily that it would be literally 24 hour days because the sun wasn't even created to the fourth day. So how could we have the first three days of 24 hours, sun up, sun down, light, dark, when the sun wasn't even created yet? The 24 hours is based on the revolution around the one earth rotation and uh, having to do with the revolution around the sun and the sun, the earth rotating once. So the sun wasn't even created. So this is the thing. So whether or not this happened in six literal days or if there was some biological evolution over time, not Darwinism, I'm going to talk about this, but some theistic evolution, this is debatable. This is allowed to be held in different viewpoints according to the church. Now, there is no definitive church teaching on how God created, just the fact that he created. Okay, this is where we get hung up. We think the Bible is a science book. I condemn the Bible because this, this doesn't make sense that the earth was, or that the sun was created four days after, uh, after the light was created. It's not a science book. It's a theology book, a book of faith and morals, not physics and biology. That's where we get into trouble. All right. So it's not, there's no church teaching on how God created the church teaching is that he created. Okay, but what we know is this. What they're teaching in our schools is completely incorrect. We know this for a fact. What we know that is not right is what our children are being taught. Children are being taught as scientific fact that the universe exists by accident. False that life arose spontaneously from non-life, spontaneously, randomly, by accident, false. That all species come from a common, common primitive ancestor, false. There are ancestors of the human race, but they're different than the ancestors of wolves. The wolves and us did not come from the same one ancestor, false and that all biological diversity can be accounted for by random genetic changes over billions of years by the process of natural selection. False. This is what our kids are being taught. And they're being taught that that is what science backs. It has nothing to do with the Bible. The fact is it doesn't get backed by science. This is a huge problem. Now, in the Bible, let's go to this, because this is a book of what happened. It's true. It says, God formed man. This gives us the image of some potter, right, shaping his vessel out of clay from the earth. God formed man. Well, wait a minute. Didn't he literally use the earth to form Adam? Let's look at our next slide. Adam, the word Adam, A-D-A-M, means man. In Hebrew, now the word Adamah, A-D-A-M-A-H, means 
ground. So we are basically putty in God's hands. We're the ground that he mixes and that he created from. This is why God formed Adam from clay or dirt, basically with dust. Dirt with dust is clay. And that was symbolic of man's mortality. To dust we came, from dust we shall return. All right, now, it says in the Bible, he breathed his nostrils into man's nostrils, the breath of life. This is the animation that gives us life. God breathed into man's nostrils, gave him life. What is he basically giving him? A soul. Now, here's what 99% of Catholics don't know. Who has souls? Do animals have souls? Do plants have souls? Actually, you'll be surprised. Yes, anything alive has a soul. A plant is alive, it has a soul. An animal is alive, it has a soul. A human is alive, it has a soul. A soul is what makes you alive. The difference? Only man has a rational, immortal soul. The plant does not, the animal does not. Only man has a rational, immortal soul. We call it the spirit. So man is body and spirit. Others are not. They have souls, yes, but not rational, immortal souls. All right, so this is the thing. We all have souls, all as humans, rational. Animals and plants have souls, but not. So man is unique. We have matter and spirit, body and rational soul. Now, Adam, though, was not created with just natural or biological life with a, an animated soul like animals. He was given something more. He was infused with supernatural life, grace, holiness. That's why he's called a son of God. Okay, animals are not called sons of God. So God created, this is a fact. Now, let's go to our next slide. Here's a picture of the Bible. Now, do we read the Bible? I did a talk on this two years ago. You can find it on YouTube. How to read the Bible. And if you saw that talk, you know the answer to this question. Do we read the Bible as literally true? Anybody here? Do we read the Bible as literally true? Yes. So now go home and cut off your right hand. Because the Bible says, if your hand, right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Well, wait a minute, Father. Didn't you just say we read the Bible literally true? Yes. But the word literally doesn't mean what we take it in English. We read the Bible as literally true, meaning the message the author is trying to convey is true. Meaning if something is causing you to sin, get rid of it. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off means literally true that if the author's trying to tell you something is causing you to sin, get rid of it. That's literally true, a true message from the author. But we don't read the Bible as literalists. We don't take the literalist meaning that we're going to actually take out a saw and cut off our hand. That's a literalist reading we don't do that. So we read the Bible, yes, is literally true, but not as literalists. All right. Now, according to the catechism, we may accept creation in the Bible as either literal or literalists. You are completely allowed to believe that the earth was created in six 24-hour days, 
you are allowed to have that view, or if you want to take a more true view that it was created in six years, but not knowing how long a year is, I mean, uh, days, but not long, knowing how long a day is, you're allowed to hold that too. The catechism says so. According to the catechism, quote, we may accept either literal within the period of six 24-hour-day period, day periods, or we may accept the belief that the earth evolved over time under guidance of God. Do you know the Hebrew word for day in the Bible is yom, like yom kippur? Yom, that can mean 24-hour day, Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. Or it can mean a longer period, like it's used in Genesis 2, 4. Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. There, it says generations. It says the earth was created over generations. So the Bible is clear. Don't let any fundamentalist tell you that if you don't believe it literally was 24 hour night day 24 hours that you're not believing in the bible that's not true it's not true we are allowed to hold that a day yam in the hebrew meaning could mean way more than just a 24 hour day it could mean a whole season it could mean a whole year it could mean a whole century all right so this is the thing god how do we know this how do we know this okay the bible tells us god to god a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day all right we know this adam was told that he would die on the same day he ate of the tree okay here i'm proving here i'm using seminary to show you what we're talking about on how to read the Bible. If you take it as a literally 24-hour period, God told Adam that he would die the same day he ate of the tree, yet he lived, the Bible says, to 930 years old. So wait a minute. How would he die the same day if he lived to be 930 years old before he died? Again, the Bible uses hyperbole, allegory, um, figurative language. It doesn't mean it's not true. It's just how they express it. All right, Catholics are at liberty to believe that creation took a few days. Okay, now I'm reading from Pius XII, Pope Pius XII, from Humani Generis, okay, where he talks about creation. He said, Catholics are at liberty to believe that creation took a few days or a much longer period, according to how they see the evidence. So next slide. So yes, the fact that dinosaurs existed doesn't disprove the Bible or Adam and Eve. God creating in six days could have been six one million year periods. So yes, people who disgrace or dismiss the Bible saying it doesn't make any sense because Adam and Eve didn't live with dinosaurs. What about the dinosaurs? I hear that all the time. What about the dinosaurs? In fact, even when I taught my seventh grade, the first question, the first question I got was what about the dinosaurs? <laughs> it doesn't contradict the dinosaurs because it depends on how we read the Bible. All right. Even if Genesis 1 uses allegory, it still records things that God really did. It's true. It's not legend. There are accounts, they are accounts of real history, even if they are told in a way that we don't use, hyperbole, um, allegory, as I said. The message the author is trying to convey is true. God created, but he uses hyperbole and allegory. All right, so let's look at our next slide. 
Let's read from the catechism here. The catechism number 390. The account of the fall of Adam and Eve in Genesis 3 uses figurative language. This is right in the catechism, not from me. But affirms a primeval event, a deed that took place at the beginning of the history of man. So it's real. Revelation gives us the, the certainty of faith that the whole of human history is marked by the original sin fault freely committed by our first parents. Hmm. Interesting. The events of Genesis are real, but the Bible does not teach science the science of how. Okay? Like, for instance, is the universe 13.8 billion years, as science tells us? Or is the universe only 6,000 years when you add up the math in the genealogy of Jesus back to Adam? Fundamentalists will tell us the universe is only 6,000 years. Science says it's 13.8 billion. It's not contradictory. It's how you read the Bible. All right. If the universe was only 6,000 years old, we would not. Here's, a, here's the issue that proves that the universe has to be older than 6,000 years old. Is the fact that we have fossils, first of all. And the fact that we would be able to see the Milky Way. Because that would be close enough then but we cannot yet. The light has not arrived yet. And so this is the science part of it. Genesis is a work of theology which focuses on the who, why, and what of creation, not the how. Okay, this is where we get messed up. Genesis is not meant to be a science book of physics or biology. Don't try to make it one. The story is real, but it uses, again, figurative language. Now, the church is always taught that no real disagreement can exist between science and theology because God created them both. All right. So Catholics are the middle ground between pure science and Bible fundamentalists. Bible fundamentalists are one extreme. Science is the other extreme. Catholics blend the two and say it can work together. That's why we're Catholic. And we're going to talk about how they do this. It says religious teachings about creation and some scientific theories of evolution don't contradict. Others do. So let's talk about it. Now we're getting into the good stuff, okay? Let's go to our next slide. I'm going to tell you right now about evolution. And does the church teach it? All right, let's look at our slide. These are the three types of evolution or creation theories. This is basically the origins of the universe, all life, and mankind. Isn't that what the Bible's talking about here? The origin of the universe, how did it get created? The origin of life, dinosaurs, and the origin of man. Did they all happen at one time? Did they happen separately? Here's what we got. First, number one, is the spontaneous or instantaneous creation by God. That means literal seven 24-hour days, six 24-hour days. God created everything within those six days. That is the instantaneous creation. Nothing existed. You are free to hold that view as Catholics. Number two, developmental creation 
or theistic evolution. This is evolution not disallowed by the church. We'll explain it in a minute. And three, atheistic evolution. This is Darwin. The church does not allow this. So when somebody says, does the church allow uh, evolution? You have to ask, what kind of evolution are you speaking about? If you're talking about Darwinism, no. If you're talking about theistic evolution, yes. The church allows it. You don't have to believe it, but the church allows it. Now we're going to explain those. Okay, the first, let's go back to the beginning now, instantaneous creation by God. This says that a given thing did not develop, but everything was instantaneously created by God. This is creationism. You are again free to hold that. God said everything exists instantaneously or over six days, and we literally believe it as literalists. You're free to hold that. The second position holds, this is now the theistic evolution, developmental creation. This holds that a given physical thing did develop over time. Evolution, it changed form, but that this process was under God's guidance. This was under God's guidance. God guided the process. And third, this position of Darwinism or atheistic evolution claims that a thing developed by random chance. This is condemned. Catholics holding to a form of evolution is only that middle one, theistic evolution. That is compatible with science. This is Catholic teaching. Creationists can also hold to the first one. But really, when you hold to the second, you're actually a creationist yourself because you're believing God did it. All right. So now, as Catholics, we must believe the universe was created from nothing. Ex nihilo. Nothing. God created it from nothing. The church doesn't have an official position if the various life forms developed over time or if they did develop, then they did so under the impulse of God. That is what the church holds to. The church, in other words, doesn't say whether um, animals started walking upright over a certain period of time and they developed from a tail to not having a tail because, you know, we got tail bones. The church does not condemn that a species evolved within itself. What the church condemns is a species, one species does not become another species. A cat does not become a dog. A cat can get longer tails, longer claws, shorter fur, longer fur. That's evolution, microevolution within a species. Church is okay with that. Macroevolution that that cat becomes a dog doesn't happen. And the fact that God has to be involved in it, that's the key. Darwinism says God does not have any involvement in it. Okay, so here's what we're saying. Regarding human evolution, it allows for the possibility that man's body developed from previous biological forms, maybe more ape-looking, under God's guidance, but it insists on the special creation of the soul. The soul did not evolve. The body may have developed from ancestors, but the soul was specifically created by God. It was not evolved. So the church holds no official teaching on theories of evolution other than it condemns Darwinism. 
All right, we can believe creationism all done in one moment, or theistic evolution, the process of biological evolution within a species where God inserted a soul. Okay, so the church supports theistic evolution, but you don't have to believe it. Catholics are free not to believe any part of evolution. Okay, theistic evolution accepts the scientific consensus of the Earth's age, the Big Bang Theory, and biological evolution, but with the understanding that it can change as science discovers more. All right, so this is important. Theistic evolution, what we believe in or can believe in, holds the position that evolution is real, but that it is set in motion by God. This is important. This is why in 1986, John Paul stated that the body of a man could be created over time but not the soul. Let's look at our next slide. Here's that famous drawing. Monkey on all fours, monkey upright, Cro-Magnon man, caveman, God puts a soul. Man could have been gradually prepared in the forms of different antecedent living beings, our ancestors, but again, done under the guidance of God. This has not been proven though. So you don't have to send me letters. I'm not backing this. You don't have to send me letters. I'm not saying this is scientific fact. It is not. The church is saying if it is ever found to be, it's compatible with Catholic teaching. So it's okay. Now, <clears throat> related to the question of how the universe and life came about in man comes the question of when. This is fascinating. The church has said, determined definitively that the universe had a beginning, all right? That it has not existed forever, but it is defined, it is not defined whether the world was created only a few thousand years ago or if it was created billions of years ago. Church has not said. Those who attribute the origin of the universe, man, and life to instant creation, hold that it would have all been done about 6,000 years ago, because that's the age that it would have taken to get back to uh, Adam in the Bible. That would have been six literal days where everything was created together, about 6,000 years ago. Those who attribute all three to atheistic evolution, Darwinism, they're much longer. They generally hold the universe as about 13.8 billion years old, and life on Earth about four and a half billion years old, the dinosaurs. And mankind, Homo sapiens, about 50,000 years old. So you get that? The science is telling us the universe was created 13 billion years ago. Life on Earth showing up in the first fossils of the dinosaurs four and a half billion years ago. So just think, the, earth, the universe existed with it. Now they need life for billions of years. So about four and a half billion years ago, the science tells us life appeared. That's where the dinosaurs were. So it's not against church teaching. And that mankind, Homo sapiens as we know them, about 50,000 years ago. Now all of that makes sense if you believe that a day in Genesis, Yom, is not necessarily 24 hours. A day could be centuries, 
because in the Bible, Genesis 2-4, it calls Yom generations, generations. This is important. So those who hold to our view, we take a little blend of both. You have creationists that say 6,000 years. You have atheists that say 13 billion years. Catholics are right in the middle. Theistic creation holds states that could be either one. Because God can do it however he wants. This is what we teach. So while the church permits belief in creationism instantaneous or developmental theistic, which I've been describing regarding our bodies, it never ever permits atheistic evolution, meaning there is no soul, which Darwin taught was random, spontaneous, no creator. So does the church condemn evolution? Yes, if it's Darwinism. Does the church condemn evolution that is supported by science, that a body may have developed over time and God put his soul in it? No, the church doesn't condemn it. There is a difference between Darwinism and evolution. All right, Darwin falsely said, you ever heard of the term natural selection? Darwin falsely said that natural selection leads to evolution. What is natural selection? Okay, natural selection is where an animal adapts to its environment, like a goat up in the mountains develops sharper hooves to be able to walk on the mountains. A bear up in Canada grows thicker fur to be able to keep it warmer in the winter. This is true. But he falsely said that leads to evolution of new species, that a polar bear becomes a walrus. <laughs> no. And we'll explain that in a minute. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean one species becomes another. There is evolution within species, microevolution. We have developed, we dropped a, maybe a longer tailbone. We've, you know, we, we've had instances where people now have developed totally different than they were years ago. They're, they're taller. I mean, I'm a wrestler, so I didn't get that part of the evolution. But that's within a species, micro. Macroevolution, where a cat becomes a dog, doesn't happen. A whale doesn't become a, 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 a salamander. This doesn't happen. All right, now, Darwin could never prove that one species had changed into another. Species are replaced by other species rather than evolving into them. One dies, another comes in. Do you know how many examples of animals orders of animals, genuses that we have in the world? Anybody? 32. Now, what do I mean by that? There's more than 32 species. You have 32 species of dog, but there's only 32 groups of animals like canines. That's all wolves, dogs, St. Bernard's, Doberman pinchers. All of them come under canines. That's one group. You have primates. That's another group. So there's only 32. Now here's what's fascinating. Do you know in the fossil records, all 32 of those groups appear out of nowhere. They all of a sudden just appeared in the way that they are today. It was some, some development within the species, but none changing species. Many paleontologists say no fossil hominid or ape species can be established as our direct ancestor. 
Your kids are being taught this in school. Your kids are being taught this in school. Paleontologists have said no fossil hominid of an ape species can be established as a direct species that developed into us. Now we have relatives, we have adapted, but I wanna read you something that's fascinating to me. You wanna know everything about Darwin? You wanna know everything about evolution? I'm gonna read you two paragraphs from Catholic Answers. I have looked for, I spent all week doing research on this talk, and I'm gonna save you all the time. I read hundreds of articles, hundreds of church documents, it seems like, when I was in seminary. And the best thing I ever found to describe Darwin was what I'm about to read you. And I'm gonna show you a quick video. I watched dozens of videos online and I found one video with 64 views. That's the best video out there, two minutes long, that explains to you church teaching on evolution. I'm gonna show that to you. So the purpose of you joining us here today is I wanna save you the time I do the work, Chris Sparks and my theologian helped me, and I went back to seminary with my notes. Let's read what Catholic Answer said. This is fascinating. Fossil records destroy Darwin. His basic theory stated that evolution progresses by slow cumulative changes over time. According to Darwin, individual species change gradually through series of intermediate forms, that doesn't sound bad, into different species. Never been proven. Very few fossils have been discovered when Darwin formed this hypothesis. Remember, this was in the 1800s. He expected that many fossils would later be found of species that turned into other species, a species intermediate in between ancestral organisms and descendants. You know what that's called? The missing link. He was convinced they would find it. That's why he formed this hypothesis. He admitted, no school teaches you this. No school teaches your children this. He admitted that if such fossils could not be found, it would disprove his theory. Guess what? No fossils have been found. The only reason we're still teaching this is because it's anti-God. By Darwin's own criterion, his theory has been disproved. In the past 150 years, the fossil record has become nearly complete, yet there are still no missing links, intermediate fossils. Science has found fossils of 98% of living vertebrates worldwide and 100% in North America. They've discovered them all, meaning all species. And they still have not found the missing link, the intermediate fossils. That Darwin said had to be there in order for his theory to be true. Well, guess what, Mr. Darwin, <laughs> they're not. They're not, and yet our schools are still teaching this. What you find in the fossil record is the sudden appearance. But I just talked about those 32 different types of animal groupings, genuses, suddenly appeared 600 million years ago. 
suddenly appeared called the Cambrian Explosion. This is accepted by science now. A wide range of mature fossils just suddenly appeared. This is creation, everybody. Some of these lasted for a while and died out. Others survived into the present age, but none changed into something else. None. There are no intermediate forms. There are no missing links. The predominant fossil theme is called stasis. What does that mean? Species appear, stay the same, with a little few changes, getting taller or walking upright, and they die out or they persist to the present day. Finally, there is no scientific evidence that microevolution, the adaptation of species within an environment like, like mountain goats getting longer hooves or bears growing longer fur, there's no evidence that that, which does happen, leads to macroevolution, meaning a dog becomes a cat or a bear becomes a wolf. This doesn't happen. So the last part, Darwin could in no single instance prove that one species had ever changed into another. His case was entirely theoretical. He had no science, and guess what, everybody? Science still has not proven Darwin correct. In fact, it's disproved. His case was entirely theoretical. It rested on a train of thought rather than empirical scientific data. He staked everything on the idea that species had a virtually unlimited potential to change into something new. Guess what this is, everybody? What we are seeing in the world today, boys will change into girls. Girls will change into boys. Both will change into ZXTs. This is a complete mockery of God. You don't change. You are what God made. Here, he ran into problems as do his followers today. The direct ancestors of all major orders, primates, carnivores, and so forth, are completely missing. Completely missing. There is no fossil evidence for a grandparent of the monkey, for example. Modern gorillas, orangutans, chimpanzees spring out of nowhere writes paleontologist Donald Johansson. He said, quote, they are here suddenly one day, but they were not before that. The same is true of giraffes, elephants, wolves, and all species. They are simply bursting onto the scene. Everybody, that is God's creation. That is when God created them. Stephen Stanley, a paleontologist who teaches at John Hopkins wrote a book, The New Evolutionary, Evolutionary Timetable, and he says, quote, the fossil record does not convincingly document a single transition from one species to another. <laughs> Question your teachers. Go to your child's textbooks. Read your kids' school books. C 
see what is being taught and get involved. Your grandchildren, get involved. You have rights as a grandparent. You have rights to see what garbage our kids are being fed, all in the name of atheism. It's, it's, it's a structured attack by Satan so that our kids will grow up being told, well, the fact that there was dinosaurs misproves the Bible. Now I want to show you this video that had 64 views on YouTube, and I went through dozens and dozens and dozens. I went through the Dominicans, too. I went through De Benedictines. I went through uh, uh, teachers, professors, and I found one video, only a minute long. I had 64 views. I want to play it for you right now because this summarizes the church teaching on evolution. Let's watch it. Many Catholics are actually somewhat confused about evolution. And when I've sort of asked in a non-scientific uh, sampling, most Catholics think, well, the church has no problem with evolution. You know, I remember something that Pope John Paul said in the 1990s, and that's really enough for them. Uh, more sort of careful studying type people realize that there's some kind of problem, but they often don't actually know what the church's official position is. If you read the official literature, though, you read Pope Pius XII's encyclical from 1950, for instance, and theological commissions that have talked about evolution, it's clear that from the beginning, the church has had serious concerns about Darwinian evolution, and that's the important distinction. We can't just talk about evolution vaguely, you know, as if we're talking about the age of the universe or change over time. It's the specifically Darwinian claim of random genetic mutations and natural selection. So a purposeless and unguided process, as it's normally defined, that's always been a problem for the church. In fact, the, the church explicitly says that's not the sort of thing we can believe. Catholics are free to entertain certainly various hypotheses about evolution, cosmic evolution, the idea that organisms share a common ancestor, uh, but there's key Catholic claims that contradict with any kind of materialistic theory of evolution. First of all, that God had a specific plan and purpose in mind, not just for us, but for everyone. Uh, that God in some ways specially acted in the creation of Adam and Eve, that all human beings are the descendants of Adam and Eve who themselves freely sinned and fell from an original innocent state. Those are key Catholic doctrines, and any theory of evolution that contradicts that is going to be a theory of evolution that's contrary to the Catholic faith. That's what the church teaches. It's unfortunate that people don't know that more widely, uh, but if you really study the issue, the church's counsel is actually quite clear. Okay, so there's just a quick video that explains to you church teaching on evolution in a nutshell. Is the church against evolution? Yes, if it's Darwinism. If it's saying that everything happened randomly by chance, yes, the church is against that, condemns it. But if it's the evolution that over a process of time, mankind looked a little different, changed a little bit, and then God put a created soul in him, the church is not against that form of evolution. And so this is what we have to understand. All right, now Pius Twelfth, he declared Quote, this is Humani Generis again. The teaching authority of the church does not forbid the human body as coming from pre-existent and living matter. So that means it could, it could evolve. But the Catholic faith obliges us to hold that souls 
are immediately created by God. This is the difference. Okay, so whether the human body was specifically created or developed over time can vary. But we are required as a matter of Catholic faith that the human soul was specifically created. It did not evolve and it is not inherited from our parents. Your parents didn't give you your soul and you don't give your soul to your children. All right, John Paul II added, Pius XII has affirmed that there is no conflict between evolution and faith. That's fascinating, isn't it? Fundamentalists will tear me apart for this. I know I'm gonna to get tons of letters, but I'm not making this up. I'm giving you church teaching right from the popes. In 1996, Pope John Paul spoke to the Pontifical Academy of the Sciences and said evolution was strong enough now to go from a hypothesis, like Pius XII called it, to a theory. Even Pope Benedict, let's show Pope Benedict there on the slides. Even Pope Benedict noted that there is no conflict between creationism and evolution. None. Pope Benedict said we can see evolution. It exists, but it doesn't answer everything. In fact, where does everything come from? How did everything get started? How did life begin? Evolution does not explain how life began. It does not, especially Darwinism. He said, this is important. Therefore, he said, evolution is not a complete scientific proven theory. So even though John Paul II called it a theory, Benedict said it wasn't quite yet. They can even disagree. The moral law and faith that defies soul evolutionary explanations because it doesn't include the spiritual. Soul evolutionary like Darwinism does not include the spiritual and you have to. So what does the catechism say? Adam and Eve are real historical people. But guess what, everybody? Your children being taught in schools it's just as bad in catechism and in Catholic schools. 32% of Catholic school teachers said Adam and Eve were real people. Oh, my. 32%, that's it, of Catholic school teachers said Adam and Eve really existed. My, oh, my. And we wonder why we're in a mess. The Catholic Church teaches. Now, listen to this. This is fascinating. Well, science doesn't back Adam and Eve. Oh, yeah? Studying DNA, Alan Wilson at Cal Berkeley and other scientists had said every living person in the world today can be traced back to one woman. This has been proven through DNA. Every living person today can be traced back to one woman. This is fascinating. All right. So last couple of pages, the catechism says all men have descended from an individual, Adam, who transmitted original sin. Okay. They transmitted original sin. Mankind is not descended from a group of human beings as a group. There's not many Adams and Eves, all right? Now, how, though, do we explain this? 
How do we explain this? According to scripture, Adam and Eve only had sons, right? Adam and Eve had Cain, Abel, and who was the third son? Anybody? Seth. Now, how do we explain this? How do we explain that if there wasn't multiple Adam and Eves, how did they have children? How did they multiply when the Bible says Adam and Eve had three sons, Cain, Abel, and Seth? Well, later it says that those sons married and had children. So who did they marry? Didn't God have to spontaneously create other people? Well, let's look at this. Adam and Eve, if you keep reading in the Bible, and you get to Genesis, all the way to Genesis chapter 5, verse 4, says they had sons and daughters. Now I'm going to enter into a very controversial subject right now. And man, do I know I'm going to get the letters on this one. So I'm going to get the defense of St. Augustine. Everything I'm about to tell you are the words of St. Augustine. This is very controversial. But this is what St. Augustine said. Because there were no human beings except those born of Adam and Eve, sibling marriages were a necessity. This was later prohibited in Leviticus. So I know you're going to write me letters and say, Father, this is prohibited in Leviticus. Yes, it is. Augustine addressed this. Let's look at our next slide. This is St. Augustine. One of the greatest, if not the greatest, theologian and philosopher in church history. He said, quote, As therefore the human race, subsequent to the first marriage of the man who made, was made of dust, and his wife, who was made of his rib, required the union of males and females in order to multiply. But how? And there was, and as there were no human beings except those who had been born of these two, men took their sisters for their wives. Eek. An act which was as certainly dictated by necessity in the first days, but only then. Afterwards, it is condemned. It is condemned by the prohibitions of religion, and though it was quite allowable for the children of Adam and Eve, because they had no other choice that was a necessity, the human race, later, it was prohibited. It was quite allowable in the early ages of the human race to marry one sister. It is now abhorred as a thing which no circumstances can justify. This is St. Augustine in the city of God explaining how the human race came about. But how could God allow incest, even for one time, unlike fornication and adultery, there is nothing morally wrong with the intermarriage within the first generation of the offspring of Adam and Eve, according to St. Augustine. They had no choice. They had no choice of spouse except their siblings. 
Beyond the first generation, there arises now concerns regarding ancestral birth defects and inbreeding that will impair, not foster, family ties and the conventional expansion of the family of God. Because of these concerns, there develop proscriptions against incense, incest in both the Bible and modern church canon law. Also in Leviticus. Note, this is how you can defend the Bible in this matter. You can defend the Bible by the very fact that St. Augustine gives us the answer, how the human race came from Adam and Eve. So how do we explain all this? How do we explain creationism versus evolution? Why doesn't the Pope settle this debate finally? Why doesn't the Pope finally come in and settle this debate between creationists and evolutionists? Why? Some people argue that the facts support evolution, others say it doesn't. The Pope's authority, though, to teach is over just faith and morals. He does not have authority over science. So the Pope can't declare if certain evolution happened or not. We're not scientists, all right? It's not a question of scientists, science. This is a question in Genesis about faith and morals, theology, creation, God, the soul, eternity, sin, evolution. That's science. That's a scientific question, not a, theolo a theology question. We must remember that Genesis was not meant to be a science book. But yet your children are taught in schools that they have to reject the Bible because it contradicts their science book. Not true. The first three chapters of Genesis, they address creation, the fall of man, the promise of a savior, but it does not pretend to be a textbook of physics or biology. Never has been. The stories of Genesis, oh, here's another one for you. Okay, the stories of Genesis had to be passed down orally for centuries before they were ever written because Adam and Eve didn't have any written language to write it. It had to be passed down. It had to be passed down orally. That's why Catholics believe in oral tradition. I guarantee you there was no scribe in the Garden of Eden documenting in writing for the Bible what happened. It was passed down orally. Let's look at our next slide. Many people just say Genesis is a bunch of pagan stories. I've heard this all the time. The Bible's ridiculous. There were pagan stories of creation way before the Bible. The Bible just stole from them. Well, all right. Here's the point. Many say Genesis is just as pagan stories that already existed. Yes, and to appreciate the beauty of the Genesis account, you have to look at the pagan cultures that existed at the time. Here's, listen to this. Some elements from those stories are similar, yes, to the ones found in Genesis. This is true. But your children are going to come home from school and try to convince you that the Bible is a hoax because it's nothing but a bunch of pagan stories that existed about creation before the Bible was written. You know what you say to that? Okay, there are some similarities, but the differences are greater. God, what are the differences? First of all, in our Bible, God creates all things from nothing. Ex nihilo. This is not the case in the other stories. All right, Genesis has no generation of a god or gods. In Genesis, God is eternal. 
All right? In other accounts, creation is the product of divine sexual activity. There's even a, a story in there about the gods having sex and the fruit as explaining creation. In these other stories, it's about power struggles, murder. In Genesis, God creates through his word. And his creativity has order, design, purpose. In those other accounts, it's random. They're different. And like other stories, other creation stories, Genesis emphasizes a loving God who freely created all things good and made mankind in his image and likeness, endowing them to be good with an immortal soul. None of that happens in the other creation accounts. Don't let your children tell you that they're learning this in school. Please correct them. The God of Genesis is not part of creation. He transcends creation. In those other accounts, the gods are just part of creation. All right? Finally, we must not forget that all creation... The whole story of the Old Testament has a purpose, leading to Jesus Christ, a savior of the world. All those other stories, not such. Last part. Let's look at our slide. So how can we then put all this together and reconcile the Big Bang, evolution? How do we explain that as Catholics? I'm going to give it to you all right now. The first theory that we're talking about is the Big Bang. Or you know what, throw an evolution to. Let's talk about it. First, what is a theory? A theory is a story which tries to explain some kind of phenomenon. Like, the phenomenon is the universe exists. A theory is how it came to be. A story. You know what's funny? Genesis is just that. It's a story about how things came to be. It's a theory. So what makes our theory any less than the theory of the Big Bang? Just as Genesis is a story, albeit inspired by the Holy Spirit to explain the truths of God, the Big Bang, coupled with evolution, form a story or theory in the same way, posited to explain scientific evidence. Fascinating. In essence, creation has evolved over time and will continue to evolve. You know why I believe in evolution? Not Darwinism. But why I believe in theistic evolution personally? God never stops creating. God didn't create everything billions of years ago and stop creating. He continues to create. In essence, creation has evolved over time will continue to evolve. God never stops creating. Scientific evidence gives some credence to these theories of the Big Bang and, and evolution, as the Holy Father said. But note that our Holy Father did not say that either theory, the Big Bang or evolution, captures everything. It doesn't. To date, science is continually refining its theories. You know what Brother Mark found the other day? Brother Mark found an awesome study that said now the Big Bang doesn't even look like it happened. Because they would be able to see the, the bright intensity of the burst of the light of being formed of the universe. And they can't find it. 
They can't find it, even with the Hubble telescope that goes back that many light years. It's amazing. Refining the Big Bang Theory and evolution is part of science, especially with DNA, the Hubble telescope, and now the fossils they're discovering in the Nambian Desert in Africa. It's rewriting science. But guess what, everybody? Everything I just told you that the church teaches, if science is rediscovered or found different, it's okay. It doesn't disprove the Bible. Honest scientists would be the first ones to admit that they don't have all the answers. If the Big Bang is true, with its chaotic chain reaction, how did we get such order in the universe? How did we come to this universe with such order? And I don't mean order in peace and harmony order. I mean the order of the rotation of the planets. You know if the Earth tilted even a couple degrees off its axis, we'd cease to exist? There's perfect order. So how did life come about? I had one person explain to me here just a few days ago, you know why atheists will never get off the ground? Because they can never explain how life began. How do you explain life? How did life begin? They can't. So to finish, every human life has its abilities to create and think. Atheism can't explain that. Only God can. Even anthropologists revise their theories all the time about development of man and how man transitioned from homo habilis to homo erectus to homo sapien. They're going to adjust that. But St. Augustine said, don't worry. It doesn't matter. He said, we can reconcile the scientific theory with the meaning of the Bible. We must recognize that the Bible is more about the resurrection of the dead, the hope of eternal life, and the kingdom of heaven than it is about motion of an orbit of the stars, their size, or relative positions, or eclipses of the sun and moon. All truth comes from God, whether discovered by science or given by the church. It all comes from God. The first question we must ask is whether particular scientific theory is well-founded. If it is, then we make sure that we don't read the Bible in a way that contradicts that. That's what Augustine said. It's very simple. The Catholic Church recognizes that it is called to teach the gospel of Christ in matters of faith and morals, not to rule on scientific theories. That's for scientists. So everybody, the moral to today's talk... Don't be a scientist unless you really are one. What you believe is God created, but how he created, leave up to science. They will not contradict. That's what the beauty is. So last paragraph, science does not teach the truth of scripture and scripture does not teach the truths of science. But they don't contradict. Sometimes scientists make a claim that goes in the theology realm. That's wrong. And Christians, they sometimes assert their views over nature that is not based on science. So to say that the world is only 6,000 years old is not based on science. Science has proved it is older. 
So the crossing of boundaries when, we, when, when scientists become theologians or theologians become scientists, that's where we get into the mess. All right? This is where problems arise. The Catholic, he knows that the truths of Scripture will be given by proper church authorities that respect the truth of science. So today, the church supports theistic evolution. It doesn't mean you have to believe in it. Not Darwinism. That type of evolution, condemned. The church supports theistic, theistic evolution known as evolutionary creation, meaning God had a hand in it. Matches science, but God was orchestrating it. And although Catholics are free to believe it or not, the church says you can. If you don't want to have anything to do with any of it, that's fine too. You can take a literalist view of the Bible if you choose. But science won't match that. So this whole important fact of theistic evolution as the position that evolution is real, but that it was set in motion by God is what you got to remember. That's all you got to remember. If somebody asks you, does the church believe in evolution? Say, yes, science has proved some kind of evolution is true, not Darwin, but it was put in motion by God. That one statement, you have it all. All right. Though it's not fully proven, theistic evolution postulates at a point somewhere in man's development, God put a soul. All right. He evolved as a process of natural evolution, but somewhere God put a soul. Now he becomes fully human. This is beautiful. Thus, Adam and Eve, who we must believe in. The church has had no problems with evolutionary theory or the idea that the first humans had biological antecedents. They could have had ancestors as long as the divine causality is kept. All right, is kept. And so last slide, it's kind of cute, don't get mad. I, I don't think it's animal abuse, I think it's just something cute. The Pope added that there had to have been an ontological leap from any ancestor to us, or otherwise we would simply be trousered apes. And that's not what we are. Well, some of us maybe, <laughs> but for the most part, we are not. Praise be to God that faith and science do not contradict. And please look at your children's textbooks, see what they're being taught, because the sadness of this, there is an agenda. There is an agenda to remove God from every aspect of society. And if you can indoctrinate the kids from the earliest ages to believe in Darwinism, you get them to doubt the whole Bible. The whole existence of Adam and Eve goes way, way deeper, going right to the existence of God. Don't let that happen. Get involved as a parent, as a grandparent. And you can help do that by praying for each other. We pray for your children, for your families. Become a Marian helper. I always put this in at the end of my talks of Brother Mark and put it the slide on the screen. Become part of our Marian family. It doesn't cost anything. 
If you never donate a dime, that is fine. We just got a beautiful letter from a woman the other day that, that she says, you know, I'm a Marian helper, but I, I feel obligated to donate. She says, because I got some letters in the mail. Man, did Peter and I write back to her instantly. No, you do not have an obligation. She felt that we wouldn't pray for her unless she donated. We pray for every one of our Marian helpers. That's why we want you to become a Marian helper. Please visit micprayers.org, MIC for Marian's Immaculate Conception, micprayers.org. If you never donate a dime, I will still pray for you every day. And I read all our intentions. You send us letters, I read them. You put postings on this talk, I read them. Now, I can't respond to everyone. Most of the time I give a thumbs up, but I read every single one every single one and we pray for each other right now the world needs it this movement to create atheism and kick god out of schools to kick god out of everything starts at the very basic of denying adam and eve denying creation denying the soul darwin says it's just random it's just by accident hogwash in his whole theory about species becoming other species not proven. And so let us become family members together in this battle to be able to defend our faith. And lastly, my other two books, if you haven't had a chance to read them yet, the first one on your screen is Understanding Divine Mercy. This is the whole basis of everything. This is why God created. Creation is God's first great act of mercy. I explain it all in this book. You want to learn more about why God created and why his mercy redeemed us? Get the book, Understanding Divine Mercy. You can do that at shopmercy.org or 800-462-7426. And last, our last slide. If you know anybody who's suffering, please get them this book. If you can't afford it, I will send it for free. This is not about money. This is about helping you. If you honestly know somebody who is suffering or you yourself is suffering, not just from suicide, this book, although it's called After Suicide because my grandma, it helps any loss with any tragedy, any suffering, and I will give it to you. If you cannot truly afford it, I will send it for free. Visit also um, shopmercy or suicideandhope.com or give us a call, 800-462-7426. God bless all of you. Know your faith so you can love your faith. Amen. Amen. Alleluia. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we pray for you always. We pray for our Marian helpers. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, everybody, and God bless you. Thank you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit 
divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.